so let's go ahead and look at our passage for today. 2 Timothy chapter 1. We'll start in verse 13. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know that all those in the province of Asia have deserted me, including Phagellus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he diligently searched for me and found me. May the Lord grant that he obtain mercy from him. On that day, you know very well how much he ministered at Ephesus. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Uh, to worship you, to put our hope and our trust in you, and uh, by grace and through faith and by the power of your spirit uh, to respond uh, and worship. I pray you would bless this word uh, that comes out of my mouth, uh, that it might accomplish its purpose for which you send it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if you are new with us today, we have been working through the book of 2 Timothy in uh, this series called Vintage, Season Words to the Church. So, at this point in the Bible story, Jesus had resurrected from the dead, and he sent his disciples, the apostles, out, and they had been at it for 30 years, preaching the good news of Jesus, that he was alive. And uh, Paul, kind of the leader of the church, uh, he uh, at this time was uh, locked up. He was in jail. And from jail, uh, he was in jail for uh, talking about Jesus. And he's writing to a young pastor uh, named Timothy. And he's encouraging him. And Paul was in a very dark place, literally. He was in a very dark, nasty jail cell. And from that place, here he is encouraging Timothy, right? He's serving Timothy. He's blessing him. He's in this jail cell worshiping uh, Jesus. And this is the last letter that he ever wrote to Timothy. This is why we're calling it season words, because he's a seasoned Christian and a seasoned pastor at this point, probably the most seasoned ever. And um, this is the last letter he ever wrote. Right? We talked about at the beginning that uh, this, these, these, wor these words that we're looking at are seasoned with blood. Because right? Paul, very shortly after that, was, uh, was martyred for his faith. He was beheaded under Emperor Nero. And what was his last will and testament? What did he want to pass on to this young pastor? And here it is. Doctrine. And you might be thinking, doctrine? <laughs> no, not, not doctrine. Yes. Paul said, I want you to hold on to doctrine, right? And don't let it go. And here's why, because doctrine matters. Absolutely, doctrine matters. That's, that's what we want to talk about here this morning. I'll show, I want to show you from the Bible. Right here, 2 Timothy 1, 13-14. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching or doctrine that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Doctrine is a wonderful word. It simply just means teaching or, or instruction, right? And listen, there shouldn't be anybody in this room that is not familiar with doctrine, right, or teaching or instruction, because it doesn't matter what group that you're a part of. I don't care if you're part of a street gang or, or whatever. That group has rules that you abide by, a code, 
a teaching uh, that you follow. Um, it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a non-Christian. All right, even, even Sam's Club, all right? Even Sam's Club, there's rules you've got to follow. There's a, there is a membership fee in order for you to take, um, have benefits in, in the group. And you can't be up in there in Sam's Club um, hogging up all the little free snacks and stuff that they pass out because that's for the whole club. It's not just for you. They'll kick you out, all right? Um, doctrine is something that is unavoidable. It is unavoidable. Other religions, spiritualities, and philosophies have doctrines. Uh, this is true for Buddhists. This is true for atheists. This is true for agnostic. It's true if you uh, imbibe in New Age uh, spirituality. Our secular culture is very dogmatic. Right? Do, you, do you feel like in the world today, like if you don't believe certain things, like you're going to get in trouble? Like our culture is very dogmatic. You must believe these things or there's going to be, you won't be uh, accepted. You might be canceled. Um, yeah, so the same is true for Christians. Same is true for Christians. We have doctrines. And uh, I've heard people say things like this. We just need to stick to the Bible. Heck with that doctrine stuff. We just need to stick to the Bible. The problem is that is a doctrine. That, that is a doctrinal statement. And the Bible itself says we need to stick to doctrine. So if we're going to stick to the Bible, we've got to stick to doctrine. Because that's what Pastor Paul uh, just told us. Other people will say uh, doctrine divides. Love unites. The problem with that is, that is also a doctrinal statement. It's a, it's a belief, right? Um, the Bible says that it's sound doctrine that actually unites the church, that it's a prerequisite for belonging to the group is sound doctrine. So what is doctrine? What is doctrine? Let's look at uh, verse 13 again. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you heard from me. So Paul's saying, you want to know what it is? You heard it from me. Timothy, you were around me enough to know that it ought to be distinguishable to you. That you heard me teach it, you heard me preach it, you know the doctrine. Hold, hold on to that. So uh, Christian doctrine is passed down from the apostles to the church. I'll show you this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse uh, 11 and 14. I'm trying to show you it's coming from the Bible, all right? And he himself, that's Jesus, gave some to be apostles. He gave these gifts to the church. Prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Verse 14. Then we will no longer be little children. That is, we'll mature. And we won't be tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching. We won't be deceived, he's saying. Every wind of doctrine. That word teaching is doctrine. By human cunning with the cleverness and the techniques of deceit. You see that? Christian doctrine is passed down to us from these apostles, like Paul. Right? And then God gifts the church with, with pastors and teachers to continue to teach and to preach this doctrine so that we might grow up in our faith and not be constantly be blown around by every little book and every little preacher or, or book, you know, whatever it is, podcast or news anchor or your neighbor or your feelings. But we would be rooted in the gospel. Uh, verse, uh, Jude, chapter, uh, Jude, verse... Jude 3, it's only one chapter. Dear friends, although I was eager uh, to write to you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith. Right there it is. That was delivered to the saints once for all. So Jude uses a different word here. He says, 
contend for the faith. When he says the faith, he means the same thing. He means the doctrine. We need to contend for the doctrine and hold on to it because it's been delivered once for all to the church. That means there's no subtractions from it and there's no additions to it. It's been delivered once for all and we got to focus on it. we got to preach it and teach it and live it. All right, so back to uh, verses 13 and 14 of uh, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. So Paul uses several words here to describe doctrine. All right, let me be very, very clear again. The word doctrine simply means teaching, what the Bible teaches. Look what he says. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So in verse 13, Paul says, hold on to the pattern. All right? Timothy, you heard this pattern. All right? So doctrine is like... Right? Here's what a laser uh, level uh, does. It emits a beam of light that provides a straight line reference along any surface. So that's what doctrine does. Doctrine provides a straight line reference point to the truth. So to go away from that straight line reference point is to divert from the truth. Paul says here that doctrine is a pattern of sound teaching. The word sound means healthy. And so this part of the Bible is written in Greek. And uh, uh, this, this word here, sound, they'd be disabled. Um, yeah, they would be sick. And Jesus would heal them and they would be sound. Same word. So the word is saying that doctrine, Christian doctrine, is healthy. Right? It's a good thing uh, for us. Right? It, it says here that it's it guard the good deposit, Paul said. Guard the good deposit. It's another way of talking about the same thing. Right? Just like when you take your um, resources, your financial resources, your, your paycheck, and you get a direct deposit to the bank from your job, right? you're entrusting the bank with your, your, your resources, with your... With your the, your valuables. It's the same thing with doctrine, that the apostles have deposited this doctrine, this teaching, in the church, and they expect us to guard it and to invest it wisely. Doctrine is a belief system, but it's also a way of life. Doctrine is what Christians believe, but it's also about how we ought to act. It's also about what we should do. It's not just about believing some things about God or believing some things about Jesus, but it is also a lifestyle, right? So that's what all the, so, so what did the apostles teach? What was their doctrine? Gospel doctrine. That's what they taught. They taught the gospel, which is the good news about Jesus the Christ who is eternally God, who came into the world as a man to live for us and to die for us and to resurrect from the dead, and now he's established as the world's true Lord. All right, that is the gospel uh, doctrine. This is what Christians believe in a nutshell. All, you guys know this. You guys know the gospel. If you're a Christian, you can't be a Christian without this, this doctrine. That's the nutshell, is Christ Jesus. Right? But let's take and let's crack that nut. And let's, let's open it up a little bit here. 
uh, this morning for a couple minutes. Is that okay? I just want to make sure you guys are tracking with me because, you know, I talk about doctrine and people go, you know, but uh, it matters. It matters immensely. Christian doctrine is about the authority of the Bible. That is what we believe is found in this book right here. So we don't import into it or download into this what we think about God, right? We we don't throw onto it what other people say. No, it is a divine and human book that is God spoke through human authors to us, right? It is telling us about who he is and his world and about who you are as a person, about what your problem is and how you can make it right and how how you ought to live and all kinds of other things. So what the Bible teaches is God's voice to us, that he speaks to us. And he's speaking to us now, even, even now, as we, as we talk about what the Bible uh, teaches. Sound doctrine, the pattern of teaching, is the voice of God to us, telling us what is true, right, and about his world. Christian doctrine is about the Trinity, that the God the Bible speaks of is Trinity, that he is one God who exists as a family, that there's one God who's eternally existed in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, each of whom are God. And this is what the Bible teaches about who God is and that this God is the creator of all things. That it teaches us about the sovereignty of God, that the creator God is at work in Berkeley Springs in 2023, doing whatever he wants, that he rules and reigns over all things, that, that, that uh, there is nothing that is impossible for him and there's nothing that's outside of his grasp, outside of his, his plan or his his control. Christian doctrine is about the sinfulness of humankind, that we're all sinners in this room, that all of us have rebelled against this sovereign creator, Lord God, that we are born into this world messed up sinners that go astray from birth. And sin is not just what we do that's wrong. No, we sin because we are sinners. This is our nature. This is why we sin. And sin affects every area of our life. You think about your life and who you are, and pervert. And sinners apart from the kindness of God stand condemned before him and will one day face the judgment. And that's why it's such good news that Christian doctrine is also about Jesus Christ. Our Savior and our Lord, Jesus is our only hope to be saved from our sins. There's no other hope. The Father sent Jesus out of great love and grace to live for us and to overcome where we have all failed, that he lived a righteous life, a perfect life, that he died for sinners at the cross, bearing the judgment and the death and the wrath of God that we all deserve for our sins. But he rose from the dead three days later, and he ascended into heaven, and he is ruling and reigning in heaven, in control, and he's going to return again one day, set everything right. There will be no more sin and no more evil and no more curse in this world when he returns. Christian doctrine is about the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us to worship God. Uh, to serve him with a heart of gladness. The whole of the Christian life is a gift of the Spirit. I think the longer that I'm a Christian, the more I am uh, uh, appreciative of this doctrine. Right? That the fact that 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 Everything I do as a believer is empowered by the third person of the Trinity who is God, the Holy Spirit, dwelling in us, 
that we don't have a spirit of fear. We've talked about this already in 2 Timothy, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind, right? It, it's, um, it's about the Holy Spirit. Christian doctrine is about uh, the reality that the church is at the center of God's plan. Think about that. That the local church is at the center of God's plan for this world. This is what uh, theologian J.I. Packer says about this in his book, Taking God Seriously. He says the New Testament, that's the second part of the Bible, speaks of the church as the people of God, the Father's family. How beautiful is that? The body of Christ, the fellowship of believers, and the community of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. Each local congregation, that is, that's you, Wellspring. Each local congregation really is and must ever seek to show that it is the one universal church in miniature. And become a part of Christ's church worldwide, right, with folks over in Africa and Peru and wherever else they are uh, in the world today. But each local congregation is a sample of that. Just like when you go to a Sam's Club and you have the sample. What is the sample pointing you to? The big deal, right? But the sample is still a, a real deal, right? But don't hog all the samples when you go to Sam's Club. That's your second warning on that. Uh, it's about the church. So if we were to shine, like I said, a laser level on this wall and hang something there, right? That laser level line would be level. To hang whatever it is on the wall, maybe it's a big uh, elk head. We put a big bull elk head up there, which would be glorious. We, we want to make sure we got the, the level right because we don't want the elk head to be uh, cattywampus uh, on us. It's the same thing with Christian doctrine. To go away from what the scriptures teach, what is sound doctrine, the gospel doctrine, right, is false, right? It's unhealthy, it's unsound, and uh, destructive. Look at uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. And Paul, this is his first letter to Timothy, says, listen, as I urge you when I went to Macedonia, I remained at Ephesus. This is where Timothy was a pastor. He was in Ephesus. He said, I want you to stick it out there. All right, here's your job, Timothy. Here is your responsibility. Teach those folks not to teach false doctrine. How about that? That's the job of a pastor. No false doctrine, no false ways of living up in, up in the church. Right? Because we want to be, we want to have gospel doctrine up in here and have uh, uh, lives that line up with it. Right? So if this is what Christian doctrine is, this means there isn't many Christianities out there. There's only one Christian faith. This means there's only one Jesus. I was having uh, lunch with someone uh, recently, and they said, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. But the longer that I talked with this person, I thought to myself, we're talking about two different people here. We're not talking about the same person. Because the Bible, that, the Jesus that the Bible speaks of is different than the one that you're talking about. Because this one I'm, I'm seeing in the Bible disagrees with you. He says, I'm not that person. I'm, I'm somebody else. There's only one Jesus. Right? Um, 2 Timothy 1, uh, 13. Look at it again. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you've heard from me. Look at this. Look at this little phrase here. In the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Right, so what is Paul saying? He's saying this, that this doctrine, this gospel doctrine is something that you've got to respond to. 
It requires faith and love that are in uh, Christ Jesus. You know, uh, I've heard people say uh, throughout my journey as a Christian, man, I've been a Christian all my life. No, you haven't. Not according to gospel doctrine you haven't, because you got to respond to it. You don't come out, it doesn't matter if you grew up in the church or, or your family was a Christian, you haven't been a Christian your whole life because the gospel says you must respond to Jesus by faith and repentance. So that means you got to respond to it. And if you're in here today and, and, and you've never responded to the gospel, all right, here it is, all right. God made you, you're a sinner, have rebelled against him. Jesus died for your sins. He was buried, he was resurrected, and he is your Lord. And he demands that you respond to him. That is, he demands that you believe in him and that you follow him as your Lord. Will you do it now? Because you can do it right now where you're sitting in your pew. Well, don't wait. Time might be up for you before the service is over. Make your decision right now to, to follow Christ. Are you going to line up with it or, or, or not? Right? If you're a Christian, you already know this. You already believe this. You believe this doctrine. Right? Matter of fact, this is what makes you a Christian. Because this is the faith and the love that are in Jesus. Right? That we come to believe in him and we come to cherish his people. That is the church. All right, why does doctrine matter? Why does doctrine uh, matter? Well, hopefully you're already kind of getting a taste of it. Of, of why it matters. Right? It matters of, of eternal purpose. But Doctrine matters because the gospel matters. That's why it matters. That's why Paul's saying, listen, Timothy, I'm about ready to die. Listen, I'm passing this thing on to you. You got to guard it. Guard the deposit. Hold on to it. Right? See, doctrine is about knowing God. That's, that's, we're not talking about some Bible trivia. Learning some theology. We're talking about knowing God. That's what Paul said earlier in chapter 1. He said, uh, he said, listen, I know who I believed. Remember that from last week? I know who I believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to guard this deposit until that day, until the day that he returns. All right, it's about knowing God through his son Jesus. See, and this doctrine leads to a certain type of life. This, this, this sound doctrine leads to, leads to a healthy life, healthy life, lifestyle. Here's what this doctrine does. This doctrine make something out of you. We, uh, we had a power of lumber over here uh, yesterday that we're, uh, the guys from uh, North Carolina are, are making a, into a sound booth, right? And it was just supplies. It was just lumber, and then they took the, the skills and the gifts they have, and, and, and they're putting together this sound, uh, sound booth. And that's what builds something beautiful out of it. Matter of fact, it, it, it's, it's better than that. It takes the rubble of your life, and it builds something beautiful out of your life. This is why gospel doctrine uh, matters. And in this passage, Paul gives two examples of why it matters. Let's look at the first. Two personal examples. Verse 15. You know that all those in the province of Asia have deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. So th the first example that he gives is negative. It's an example of Letting go of sound doctrine. Letting go of Jesus. Right? So Paul, when he, he says, all those in the province of Asia have deserted me. Right? And uh, he's, when he says Asia, he's talking about modern-day Turkey. Okay? And that's where Timothy was a pastor. So 
Uh, when Paul was uh, arrested and in prison and on trial, many of those prominent leaders, and Paul names two guys here. He says, Phagellus and Hermogenes, don't be like those guys. They deserted me. I want you to know that those pastors, they deserted me. They didn't fellowship with me. Right? They didn't want to associate with me. They didn't want to love Jesus or me, although they claimed to be Christians. Oh yeah, they look like Christians, right? but they deserted me in my time of need. When the, tough, when, uh, when the going got tough, they weren't around. When I was suffering, they weren't there. Right? They abandoned me. They didn't, want, they didn't want to really want to follow Christ. They didn't want to hold on to a sound doctrine. Right? Whatever it was, and Paul doesn't tell us what happened. Whatever it was, they took steps away from him. Right? See, that's what it looks, looks like to let go of sound doctrine. Right? It's to, it's to let go of, of, of loving the church, to let go of, of loving God's people. Right? And we don't want to do that, church. Right? We don't want to do that. Uh, look at um, 2 Timothy uh, 1, 16 through 18. All right, here's the other example. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Nephsiphorus because he often refreshed me. Look at this. He wasn't ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he diligently searched for me and he found me. May the Lord grant that he obtained mercy from the Lord on that day. And you know, you know, Timothy, very well how much he ministered at Ephesus. So the second example, this is the second example Paul sets forth of why doctrine matters, right? And this time it's positive. And he introduces us to this guy, Onesiphorus, and he says, man, this guy right here was killing it. This guy right here was living this thing out. So the second example is what it looks like to hold on to sound doctrine. So do you guys want to hold on to sound doctrine? Do you want to hold on to Jesus? All right, we need to, we need to see what's going on here uh, with this guy. Um, so, it says here in this passage that he often refreshed me. Paul uh, was locked up. He was in prison. And listen, there wasn't any counseling in the jail or anything like that. There was no doctor. Right? So this guy came and he refreshed Paul. Just think about it. What type of person do you have to be when someone's locked up and they're going to die for their faith? and you go and you risk your life to visit them, and then you're actually an encouragement to them. I wouldn't know, what were you going to say to this Paul? You know, plus, Paul's a great leader in the church. How can I help him? How can I love him and care for him? But this guy did it. He refreshed him. I mean, think about the caliber of person and the, and the life that this guy uh, had. You guys remember those uh, zest soap commercials? You're not fully clean unless you're zest fully clean. You guys remember those? I don't even know if they're out anymore or not. But um, <laughs> I was thinking about this, and I went up on their website. And this is what the website says. Clean isn't just how you feel, it's how you live. Right? When we take a moment to clean zestfully, we set in motion a whole lot more living. Right? We dance, we play, we cook, we create, we dream. That's a little bit too much, don't you think? It's just soap. It's just soap. Oh, my goodness. All right, the soap makes you uh, their whole point is, man, the, the soap makes you feel fresh. Right? The soap makes you feel alive. Right? I, I like that. I like being clean. I like being fresh. You know? We were in here working yesterday, and I had black paint all over my face, just looking like a zombie or something. Right? I like go home and feel good, take a shower. Right? So uh, that's what Onesiphorus was to Paul. He was life-giving. 
He refreshed him. He encouraged him. And you think about it, this is what This is the gospel that we believe. This is what Paul has been talking about this whole chapter, right? When he says that I was called to preach according to the promise of life, right? That the good news about Jesus is life-giving. He says that Jesus came into the world and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And when you believe that wholeheartedly, you know what you want to do? I want to give it to somebody. I want to encourage somebody and refresh somebody with this good news, and that's what this guy did. So guess what? That's you too if you believe in Jesus. Right, you're, you're a zest, right? right you, you, you bring refreshing into other people's life with Jesus, with the love, with the love of, of Christ. So it, 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 you are called to do similar things to this gentleman. So how can you do that? How can you hold on to the gospel doctrine, right? Well, just think about what this guy did. He didn't step away from Paul, did he? No, he took steps toward him. It says that he searched for him, and he found him, and then he refreshed him. So that's what we need to do, right? In order to live a life of faith and love in Jesus, we've got to step towards people. Specifically, you need to step towards one another in this church in love and not away from one another. You know, this is what Jesus taught us to do. John chapter 13, verse 34. I give you a new command. No options. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. Do you believe that Jesus has loved you? Well, then what does he call you to do? To love one another. And how did he love you? He loved you freely. Right? He loved you when you had uh, nothing to offer him. Right? He didn't make you earn his love and work for his love. No, he loves us in the midst of the rubble of our life. And that's how he calls us to love other people. And he calls us to, and he loves us sacrificially too, doesn't he? Right? That his love cost him something. And that's what we're called to do with one another, to love each other freely and sacrificially. So the opposite of letting go would be taking steps towards people. This is what it looks like to believe in sound doctrine. It produces a life of love, right? Sound doctrine wraps itself up in human flesh for love for the people of God. Love for uh, the church, the people that Jesus died to shed his, his blood for. And you see, the opposite is to slowly isolate yourself. Slowly back yourself out of relationships and uh, community. Listen to uh, Proverbs 8, 1. The one who isolates himself pursues selfish desires. He rebels against all sound wisdom. And listen, I think if we just have a moment of honesty, we know this verse is true, right? We naturally are not the most loving people in the world. It's, it's so much easier just to withdraw and to be selfish, right? Because doing what Onesiphorus did, that required a journey, that required risk, that required being publicly shamed, that required a lot of work and generosity and energy, emotional energy, to love the Apostle Paul, right? And it's the same thing uh, in the church, right? Listen, we don't want to be selfish people. We don't want to withdraw from one another, all right? We want to love one another, because here's, here's the deal. Jesus, Jesus has something better for you. Jesus has a life 
that is so much better for you than, than a life of living for self. It is a life of loving others freely and loving them um, sacrificially. Uh, like I said, uh, we have a team from Bethlehem Baptist Church uh, from Taylorsville, North Carolina here, um, helping us get ready to welcome, um, welcome the community. And they've been here doing these things. <laughs> they made a significant effort uh, to get up here, spend money, and, and exert energy to love and to serve uh, this church. What a great example. Uh, these gentlemen come up here and do that. So yesterday afternoon we were in here uh, building that sound booth, hanging drywall, doing all kinds of stuff, and we used all kinds of tools to do that. Right? Listen, God gives us tools to hold on to sound doctrine, to treasure it up in the church. So God lays out the tools on the table and says, okay, these are the tools. If you want to do this job, if you as a Christian want to hold on to Jesus and you want to hold on to what the Bible teaches, you've got to use these tools. And if you don't use them, you're going to have a hard time, right? It's going to make your job a lot harder. As a matter of fact, you might not get it done. Right, but uh, he gives us the tools, and one of the main tools is each other. This is how we continue on in the Christian life. Is with each, look at this verse, uh, Hebrews chapter three, verse thirteen. All right, Christian, here's your mission: encourage each other daily. You see that? This is what the Holy Spirit calls you to do as a believer: encourage each other daily. Now the question is. How can we use that tool? How can we take this tool of encouraging each other daily and, and put it into uh, work? How can you take a small step towards doing that uh, in your life? All right, here, here's the deal. If you're new with us, you've been visiting with us, step number one for you is come to open house. All right, that's easy. Just come to open house and we'll feed you. I mean, how much better can it be than that, right? Just come to open house. And that's the first step towards being a part of our church and learning who we are, right? That, that's how you love people. You get to know who they really are. All right, another step would be, hey, are you, are you plugged into community group? Um, this is why we have community group to do this, to encourage each other daily. I don't know how many times that I've come out, I needed to be here. I needed encouragement. And, and, and when Albert shows up and he's there, you know what? Just the fact that he's there is encouraging. Right? We need that. We need our brothers and sisters to see them believe in Jesus. In our community group, we have men's and women's groups that meet also out of our group. They meet monthly, uh, once a month, and the men uh, of the group, we're getting ready to start reading a book called Man Up. It's a uh, book on biblical masculinity. We're going to start February 26, 3 p.m. Uh, at my house. So uh, if you're a man, and uh, you want to man up, you want to be the man that God calls you to be, all right, I'm putting a challenge to you. You need to be there. You need to get that book. If not, you don't have the money to get it, I'll buy it for you, all right? And you need to be there because um, we're going to talk about gospel doctrine and what's it look like to, to embody this as, as men. It's going to be a great time of encouragement, all right? Here's my whole point is we want you to hold on. Right? We want you to hold on to Jesus. We want you to hold on your entire life and, and mature uh, as a Christian. All right, 2 Timothy 1.18. May the Lord grant that he, this guy, Onesiphorus, obtain mercy from him on that day. And you know very well how much he ministered 
at Ephesus. So Paul said, listen, you know this guy ministered. And that word just means served. Right? You know that this guy was serving Jesus, that he was serving uh, the church. And this is what it looks like to hold on to sound doctrine, is to serve. Right? This is what it looks like, because this is what we believe Christian doctrine is. What is Christian doctrine? It is the fact that Jesus came to serve and to sacrifice and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, listen, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. So how can we believe in that Jesus and not live a life that lines up with the laser level? Right? We want, see, we want to be people that serve Christ, to serve, serve uh, the church. Holding on, sound doctrine, looks like stepping towards other people in relationships and serving others. Serving others. You might be thinking, where do I start? Where do I start? Do you other people? I'll give you, I'll give you a simple step. Start on. Do you know that when you walk in here, there have been all kinds of people serving you? We have people uh, on our hospitality team that make coffee uh, and provide snacks and have that out there so that you can come in and be refreshed. Right? We have people that uh, stand there and open that door uh, so it doesn't smack you in the face because it doesn't have a closer on it yet. Um, yeah, so they're, they're, they're making sure you're safe and sound. Uh, we got people over here doing... Uh, uh, audio and, and sound, people playing in the band, people uh, working with the kids. Uh, there were people here uh, very early this morning because we made an utter mess in here yesterday. Um, and they cleaned this whole building. So if you would like to serve on Sunday morning, just stop by that connect table on your way out and I will get you set up to start serving uh, on Sunday morning. We would love to, uh, for you to uh, participate uh, in that. Lastly, holding on to Jesus is a beautiful thing. Look at, look at this verse again, 2 Timothy 1.18. May the Lord grant that he obtain mercy from him on that day. Do you see Paul praying for this guy here? Paul's writing this church and saying, man, this guy right here gets it. May that guy obtain mercy from the Lord on the day that he returns. Right? Because of the type of person that he is. And Paul's not saying, hey, we earn God's love or we earn God's mercy, we earn our salvation by serving. No, that's not what he's saying. We already know Christian doctrine that, that, that salvation is a free gift, that Jesus loves us freely, and all we got to do is receive it. Let me ask you once again, have you received that gift? I, already, I already called you to do it earlier. Have you been waiting? Let me ask you a question. Have you received Jesus into your life? You need to do that today. You need to do that right now. And when you do, if you have received Jesus, then, then his spirit begins to work in your life, and he begins to be, build something beautiful out of your life. And you know what? That is a sign to you and to everyone else that when Jesus comes back, you will receive his mercy on that day. It's a sign that he began a good work in you, and that when he returns at the very end, that work will be complete. And it will be beautiful. And listen, we need in Jesus, the Spirit of God to help us do all these things. Right? We can't believe in Jesus without the Holy Spirit. We can't do any of this without the Spirit. That's why Paul, at this, in this chapter, has already mentioned the Holy Spirit three times. He says, listen, guard the gospel. 
Guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. <laughs> uh, there was a famous uh, preacher in London um, a long time ago named Charles Spurgeon, and he was uh, very competent as a pastor. And he was very, he's been famous over the years. And you know what he would pray every time, he, he would say every time he walked up to preach? I believe in the Holy Spirit. 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 Because even that man, as great as he is, recognized, I can do nothing without the Holy Spirit's help in my life. See, and that's what we want to ask for now. We want to ask the Holy Spirit to come and to help us to hold on to the gospel and to live a life that is worthy of it.